The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hello, Internet friends, and welcome to church. My name is Adam, and I'm the senior pastor here at First United Methodist Church. So happy to be with you virtually through online worship. Got a couple quick things for you. Uh, we've got today, when you're going to see this, Sunday, May 24th, we're going to have curbside communion that we're offering in our 92 campus. So from 12 to 2, you can come by in your car and you'll, you'll drive around our little line in the parking lot and you can receive communion safely from our pastors. It's important to us to offer this um, sacrament, this, this sacred thing that Christ commanded us to do. And so we've kind of engineered a way to do that safely. And uh, if, if you are so inclined, we would love to have you join us from 12 to 2 in our 92 campus. We also just released a survey. We want to hear from you. So you can go to our website and, and, and you'll click on uh, one of the little links there that you should see at the top. And uh, it'll give you an opportunity to give feedback on how online worship has, going, has been going. How's your experience of that? On you know, your expectations or hopes and desires for worship moving forward. We're, we're wanting to hear from everybody so you could really help us out by participating in that. So as a part of worship, we're going to pray together. We're going to hear from God's word together. We're going to sing songs together and we'll have an opportunity to be generous. Thank you so much for making all of those things a priority in your week. One of the things we like to do, especially at our traditional services, is, is begin by, by reciting this, this statement of belief, this creed that goes back a long, long time. Thousands of years, faithful Christians have repeated the essentials of our faith together. So would you join me by praying together the words on the screen of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we'll turn it over to our worship leaders. Let's go to God together.
Hi everyone. It's so good to be with my church family, no matter where we are, or what, no matter what time of day, I know that um, we are united through our love of Jesus. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our holy and gracious God, we praise you and we thank you for being our God, our creator, the creator of this universe, the creator of this world. How amazing it is that you have created such beauty and then given us the senses to enjoy it and appreciate it. Eyes to see the different shades of green, ears to hear the birds singing, and, and just a nose to smell the scents of wildflowers, Lord, and the freshness of your, your earth. We thank you, God, and we praise you. Right now, this beautiful earth is in chaos. Um, human life continues. There's death, there's mourning, there's addiction, there's anxiety about what's to come and what's happening. There's also celebrations, graduations, birthday parties, um, reunions of such as our community continues to open. Lord, you are with us at all times, and for this we are thankful. We pray your presence with the leaders. Give them wisdom. We pray your presence with those that are separated from loved ones as they are in the hospital and going through things alone, Lord. Not only those that are in the hospital, but those family members who are concerned. Help us to remember that you've got us, and we are yours, and we are saved. Lord, we lift that prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Yet will I praise you, yet will I praise you, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yet will I praise you, yet will I praise you, hallelujah, hallelujah. Through the Yet 
You know, there's certain artists that you only need a single name to identify them. Like Mariah, Bono, Whitney, Lizzo. Ain't my fault I'm out here getting loose, right? Uh, Psalm 23 is the Bible verse equivalent. I mean, it's cross-stitched on grandma's walls around the world. Just one of the all-time classic Bible verses. Now, if you're not as familiar, that's not a problem, because that's precisely what, precisely what we're diving into in our series, Psalm 23. We get the word psalm from an ancient word, meaning song of praise. We've been looking at what it means to follow God as a sheep follows a shepherd. And, and what I hope we'll come away with today is that faith isn't about being exempt from trouble, but about what you expect on the other side. It's been just over a year since the Game of Thrones finale aired. Now, you may be a Game of Thrones fan. You may not be. You may find it disturbing that your pastor likes Game of Thrones. I get that. I get that. There's a great line from one of the early seasons. Rob Stark is a young commander, uh, and he's, he's kind of learning the ropes, and he's having a conversation with his father, Ned Stark. And this is what he said to him. Can a man be brave if he is afraid. And the reply, that's the only time a man can be brave. Bravery is not the absence of fear. Bravery is still acting in the face of fear. And I think the same is true of faith. Faith doesn't mean you never have any doubts. Faith means that you keep going in spite of those doubts. Hebrews 11.1 says this, Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Jesus himself told the disciples a similar concept. Now, there were a lot of folks when Jesus was physically on earth that he interacted with, that that he uh, encountered while he was ministering, and lots of folks walked away. So sometimes not even the actual physical presence of Jesus was convincing to folks. Uh, But his closest followers, while he was on earth, they had the advantage of tangibly being able to see him, to witness his miracles, to to learn from him, all of that. And so the folks who were in his presence, uh, like I said, they kind of had an advantage. And for the people that would come to believe after he ascended into heaven, they didn't have that same advantage. This is what Jesus told his disciples. Jesus told them, because you have seen me, You have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
And so the faithful person, it's not that the faithful person never experiences any doubts or never has any problems. No, far from that. In their faith, it it comes alongside their doubts and in the middle of their struggles. That's when it actually takes faith to keep going. And you know, at this point in the sermon, I'd like to cite a challenge that, that really speaks to the human condition. Maybe, maybe something that's been a common experience, right? And, and, and something that's widespread and super relatable, preferably in the last couple weeks or months. And if only there was this, this challenge we'd all been facing. I was just drawing a blank. It was really hard to write this. No, nah, man, I, <laughs> duh. It's obvious the entire pandemic has caused a lot of people a lot of problems. And even the most faithful Christians are experiencing doubt and worry, having to wrestle with these challenges and, and doubts that have emerged of, of, around everything we've been going through. We explored some of these questions in our series, Why? And I'd encourage you to check that out. It's on our website. We tried to drill deep down. In, in, into the, why does God allow this? Why do bad things happen? Psalm 23 famously says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So today we're gonna zoom in on this concept that faith doesn't mean being exempt from trouble, but rather faith is about what you expect on the other side. And to kind of catch you up on Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3, we're going to look at that this morning, and then we'll get in to verse 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Last week, we looked at what it meant for the shepherd to be providing for the flock, for his name's sake, for the sake of his reputation. God's desire is to see the sheep be provided for and to flourish. This confirms the shepherd's good name, or again, reputation. Now what I find interesting is midway through the psalm, the author, David, changes audience, changes his audience. Right? Verses 1 through 3 are descriptions of God to us, the audience. Right? The opening statement is the comparison of God to a shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He refreshes my soul. But starting in verse 4, which we'll be focusing on today, the audience switches, and David begins to address God directly. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, verse 4 says, I will fear no evil For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, LSU fans like my boy Ron might hear this verse and think about Death Valley, the the place where the Tigers play. This verse is also very very famously translated, the valley of the shadow of death. Kind of amps up the drama a little bit. The Hebrew word is salmawet, which is also translated gloom or deep shadow. It's also used once to liken uh, dark circles around the eyes, which I thought was funny. So so the valley of the shadow is, is is a close translation. 
This has a symbolic and literal danger to it when we read about the valley of darkness, the valley of the shadow. The shadow is representative of uncertainty, fear, suspicion, danger, right? For actual sheep to be led through a valley, there were predators that could be lurking. The terrain grows increasingly demanding the deeper into the valley or the higher up in the valley that you travel. Here's a picture taken in the early 20th century. This is a valley near Masada in what would have been ancient Judea. This is an area that the author David would have traversed. The valley in Psalm 23 is a metaphor for life's darkest days. When we're walking through depression, when we're walking through addiction, when we face sadness, anger. 2020, the year of the shadow. When we read, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I take it as a given that these valleys will come. And I find some comfort in that. We need to deactivate the assumption that following God means that you're not gonna have any problems, that you're gonna be exempt from trouble. The picture here described is of a shepherd leading their sheep through the valley. That's the metaphorical picture, and I have an actual picture for you to check out. The terrain more dangerous, the closer quarters, the tighter the space for predators to hide and attack. All of these were aspects that made the valley a treacherous place. But you can only get to higher ground by going through the valley. In his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, I'm leaning on him uh, just with amazing wisdom that he provides. W. Philip Keller walks through Psalm 23 through the eyes of a shepherd So it's great to have a biblical scholar and a shepherd writing about this psalm. This is what he said. Often we get an erroneous idea about how this takes place. It is as though we imagined we could be airlifted onto higher ground. On the rough trail of the Christian life, this is not so. As with ordinary sheep management, so with God's people, one only gains higher ground by climbing up through the valleys." Yet the psalmist does not let fear prevent them from proceeding. They have confidence that their shepherd is, shepherd is near. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff, these are two related items that do have unique distinctions in the original Hebrew. Here are some examples of ancient Middle Eastern staffs. This is taken uh, from a museum in Egypt. Now, If I worked at this museum, you know what I would hold in this room right here? Staff meetings. Oh, come on. It was funny when I wrote it down. Uh, So it could be one instrument, the rod and staff. It could be referring to the same instrument used for different purposes. Or... Uh, you know, it, it could be delineating two actual objects. The rod was used to defend the sheep against predators. And when you don't have a whole lot going on out there in, in uh, the wilderness, and all you've got to do is practice with, you know, this, this essentially a weapon, you can get pretty good at it, right? You're practicing your rod defense skills. These shepherds could be lethal with these things. Keller notes, the rod was in fact an extension of the shepherd's right arm. It stood as a symbol of his strength, his power, his authority in any serious situation. The rod was what he relied on to safeguard both himself 
and his flock in danger. And it was, furthermore, the instrument he used to discipline and correct any wayward sheep that insisted on wandering away. I find this concept fascinating, that the same rod used to defend against predators would keep the sheep from being a danger to themselves. If you find yourself in a valley and your understanding indicates that this situation is from God, that it's by God's design, then I promise you that it is only God's design because it is for your good. I think we need to be very careful about assigning things to God's providence that are really just things we've messed up. But discipline isn't a subject most of us like. I don't. Some of you have heard me talk about the language of Gallup strengths. Discipline for me, way, way low, like 33 out of 34. But the shepherd is always acting in the best interests of the flock, even when it comes to disciplining a wayward sheep. Proverbs 3, 11 says this, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. So we continue with this, this concept of, of a close relationship, even when it comes to the shepherd disciplining the sheep. You don't discipline something you don't care for. And the rod had another use to aid in the examination, the inspection, and the counting of sheep. There's an ancient phrase that's called being under the rod. Is this like limbo? What are we talking here? We see an example in Ezekiel 20, 37. And this is God calling out to people to come under his care, to make a covenant with them, to have an exchange of promises and oaths. I will take note of you as you pass under my rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. The Hebrew here is the same word, hasabet, translated staff in Psalm 23. So the rod in Ezekiel 20 is equivalent to the staff in Psalm 23. Sheep that passed under the rod of the shepherd were those that had been counted and looked over with great care to make sure all was well. I love that. Are you under the rod? Not a phrase you thought would be so touching before today, I hope. The rod was used to defend against predators, and the staff was used to bring tenderness to the flock. The shepherd's staff famously has a crook in it, uniquely suited to supervise sheep. Keller made a, made a great point. In what other profession do you see somebody carrying a shepherd's stick? Like if I showed up with one next week, I guess it could make sense because we're talking Psalm 23. But like if I went and got one from Silver Dollar City or whatever, just kind of carried it around to Price Chopper, you'd be like, what is you doing? It's, it's uniquely a symbol of the shepherd. The crook in the staff was used to lift sheep out of brambles that, and bush that they may have gotten, gotten uh, stuck in. Or, or to scoop them up if they fell into a ditch or a crag. Or another fascinating use of the shepherd's staff, which I never would have thought of, is actually used when sheep are born. Check this out. Again, this is from W. Philip Keller. The shepherd will use his staff 
to gently lift a newborn lamb and bring it to its mother if they become separated. He does this because he does not wish to have the ewe reject her offspring if it bears the odor of the shepherd's hands upon it. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The image of God our shepherd, both intense and tender. It is for all these reasons a sheep will follow the shepherd through the valley of the shadow because they know the shepherd is with them even when they're surrounded by darkness. I don't know Kate Bowler personally, but I have lots of friends that do. She's a seminary professor at Duke, and the way they speak of her, uh, they just adore her. She is a seminary professor, an author, and podcast host. At 35, Kate was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And there's a lot of us who understand the dark valley that that diagnosis represents. Kate wrote a book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. Strong title. She uses her experience to be a light in dark places. Her podcast is called Everything Happens, and she talks with people about what they've learned in dark times. So if you find yourself in the valley of shadow, I'd recommend Kate Bowler's work to you. One who has passed through the valley of the shadow speaks with a certain credibility. People say all sorts of well-meaning things when, when we're hurting or we're going through grief. They mean well, but some of them can be less than helpful. In my experience, one of the most powerful things a person can say is, hey, me too, me too. I know I've drawn strength in my life from folks who have passed through the valley and made it out on the other side. In many ways, I view this as one of the ways that God provides for us. God uh, reveals God's self to us through the relationships we have. We can feel the nearness of God through the proximity and care of others. We can, we can feel God's provision in the witness and presence of other people in our lives. So who is one person that you can help lift onto higher ground, that you can come alongside in the valley of the shadow? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It's because of the trust of the faith in the shepherd that even though it's dark, even though it's a deep valley, the author is willing to keep walking. Even though faith isn't about being exempt from trouble, but what you expect on the other side of it. Now, spoiler alert, the author knows their destiny. We're gonna get into that in a couple weeks. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can know what awaits us on the other side of the valley. May you feel the comfort, intensity, and tenderness of our good shepherd now, in the valley, and into eternity. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. One of the things that we've been uh, trying to do as, as we really lean in and focus on this psalm is, is to, to read through it every week in our message. And, and just as a practice this week, I would encourage you, we did this week one, 
So I'm, we're going to bring it back and a little check-in. See how you're doing. We got this week and two more. And I'd encourage you to make this psalm your prayer and, and to join faithful witnesses throughout the generations in, in making this an anchor of your faith. And so I'd encourage you to memorize Psalm 23. We're going to pray it together, and we'll have the words up on the screen. Let's go to God together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, may we possess the confidence and peace that David had. And may we follow him as he followed you, our great shepherd. And everybody said, amen. Friends, as a part of worship, we have the opportunity to be generous. And I'm so proud to be a part of a church that continues to fuel ministry even as we've been distributed. And we're, and we're trying to highlight some of the things going on that, that may not be quite as obvious, especially since we're not all gathering in the way we're accustomed. And we just want to say thank you, especially to our care team. Pastor Sherry leads a group of wonderful people who are reaching out through writing cards, through making calls, through, through uh, taking care of folks that are uh, particularly going through a rough time right now, and especially those that are isolated. So we are trying to keep folks connected through a variety of means uh, to the body of Christ, and the care team is making that happen. We thank you, we love you, we appreciate you. And this is just one example of the ministries that continue thanks to your generosity. Lives are being touched, and, and people are feeling the presence of Christ even in these challenging uh, months and weeks. We have three different ways to give at our church. If you're accustomed to writing a check, you can send that in and we'd be glad to receive that uh, at our 92 campus. You can give online at carney.church slash giving or you can text the word give to 816-354-1760 and that'll get the process started for you. Let's go to God together in prayer. God, thank you so much for the faithfulness of folks who continue to give, who continue to fuel ministry. We ask that you would bless these, a portion of the gifts you have given us that we dedicate back to you. Would you use them and multiply them so they can do so much more together than any of us could alone? God, help us to use these gifts to build up the body of Christ, to do ministry here in Kearney, throughout the Kansas City metro, and around the world. We give you thanks for our ability to be a part of the process by which you bless others. And so we give these blessings back to you for your use. Amen. Well, friends, this is something new for me. Blessing communion.
from a box. That's where we find ourselves. So I think this is going to be really special. Practicing communion is one of the things that we believe in as Christians. It's one of the practices we have as a church. And we thought it significantly important to offer that today, to continue that unbroken chain of doing the thing that Christ commanded us to do. So we're trying to do our best to offer this in a safe way. I'm not even going to handle the stuff in here right now. I'm going to bless it for its, its use and for God's glory. Inside here is kind of a coffee creamer size self-contained communion kit. All in one. Communion on the go, baby. And, and so we're going to bless these elements as we would uh, if we were in person. And I, I'd love for you to join us from 12 to 2 at our 92 campus for curbside communion. The first in my career. Come see how it goes, if nothing else. Uh, but this is very special um, to continue to do the things Jesus told us to do. And that's what we're going to do. Let's go to God together. It was on the night before Jesus was to be betrayed and led to his execution that he gathered his closest friends around a table. Something a lot of us would give a lot to do right now. So we're going to do the best we can. Because it was around that table that he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he blessed it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body which is broken for you. He was referring to the sacrifice he would soon make on the cross. And in the same way, after the supper was over, he took the cup, and he lifted it up to God his Father, giving thanks. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then he told them, as often as you share this meal together, do it in remembrance of me. And so now generations later, that's what we do. We gather to remember Christ, to celebrate his life and his death. But we don't only look back, we also celebrate his presence with us now and look forward to his resurrection, especially in the valley of the shadow. And so today we will be offering his sacrifice, his body, his blood, his remembrance in a new way, but with the same purpose. Let's pray. God, pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that you can be your body, your hands and feet, so we can be your church, so we can be reminded that what makes us your body ain't being in the same place at the same time, but being unified in love and purpose for you. Let this meal strengthen us let us bring to you all of the things that we struggle with, all of our doubts, all of our problems, all of our pain, all of our frustration, and let us lay them down at the dinner table and pick up the tangible reminder of your love for us. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen. See you at 12.
Friends, let's remember that having doubts doesn't mean you don't have faith. That's precisely when your faith can be shown. Even in the valley, God is still near to us. And so let's remember that faith doesn't mean being exempt from trouble, but it's about what you expect on the other side. 
I hope you'll join us today from 12 to 2 for curbside communion. Can't wait to see you from a safe distance in your car. And we'd really appreciate it if you could let us know how's it been going with you, how's, how's this experience been, and, and what are some steps we should think about moving forward. Take that survey online. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and always. Amen.